welcome to the Warrington Football Podcast. Welcome to the Warrington Football Podcast. Today we've got an exciting show. We've got an interview with Dean Furman, uh, the Warrington and Rylands chat with uh, PJ, Rick and Ash. And then we're going to talk about all the other results from the Cheshire League, the Warrington District League, the Cheshire Vets League and the Warrington Sunday League. This is the Warrington Football Podcast. Welcome back to the Warrington Football Podcast. I'm on with uh, Rick. How are you doing, Rick? Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, mate. How are you? Good weekend? Yeah, really good. Thanks. Uh, PJ, how are you today? I'm brilliant, Tim. Fantastic. And uh, Mr Ash, how are you? I'm brilliant, Tim, as uh, PJ so eloquently said. Fantastic. I believe you guys got some good updates from uh, Warrington Rylands, Warrington Town for us today. Yeah, absolutely. Um Unfortunately, we didn't have one of our very capable correspondents at FC United versus Warrington Town yesterday, but uh, as is Warrington's habit at the minute, they fell behind in the first half yesterday away to FC United. Um, Mark Beasley in his notes after the game said they could have easily been three or four behind at halftime. But again, as is the way with this Warrington Town team, they are extremely hard to beat and they found their way back into the game through Bowen Dixon's penalty in the second half and managed to claim another draw there. So Warrington still in the playoff places, unbeaten in nine now. But if you look at it, there's only been three wins in those nine unbeaten. So they'd be looking to turn those draws into wins just to fully cement that playoff place. If the draws continue, you kind of feel it's going to be a 50-50 shot whether they make the playoffs or not, Pay. Yeah, they, they need to turn these draws into wins. Um, like you said at the start, they, they go behind and then the first half, they, they could be down three or four. Every time I've seen them, they'd be like, you're lucky to go in one nil down. Uh, but you always have that hope that they come out second half and fight back. Yeah, I'd um, say that. Both, both derbies this season, Ryland's had the first half and could have been, we were 2-0 up at Cantilever, 1-0 up at Gorsi Lane. It could have been 3 or 4 easily in both games and the game would have got away from town. But they have that really good habit of, of staying in games when they're not necessarily playing well. And then Bees just gets them fired up in the halftime interval and they come out a different animal in the second half and, and more than often rescue a point and sometimes even three from these games. Yeah, I think I, I'll just like to see him play with that intensity all the all the way through the game. So like the second half against Rylands at Gorsi Lane, that all the way through the game would be excellent. I think they'll blow some teams away four or five nil, easy, um, and definitely cement the place in the playoffs. I think I'm going to put my neck on the line here. I think Hyde will finish higher than South Shields. I know they're the two favourites at the minute. Wow. 
That is a bold game right there, PJ. I'm gonna, uh, you've heard Level it here first. Minute and South Shields have got four games in hand. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go for Hyde. I, I've watched both teams play, and I think Hyde are the better side. I'm yeah, right. put it out I've there. seen, I've seen Hyde wipe the floor with Ryland twice this season. They've scored four goals past us two games in a row. Um, very, very good team. Play football really well. Obviously, they've got the four G at their place play really well in it and in Jack Redshaw they've got a match winner every single game that's who Rylands have got next week so uh, looking forward to that one it'd be a real real challenge for Rylands to go there obviously Hyde winning 3-2 yesterday Jack Redshaw two assists and a penalty Um, so it's going to be a challenge for Rylands but we managed to get back to winning ways yesterday after a difficult couple of weeks Um. Since our last podcast, Rylands have had two games. We played away to Bamber Bridge on Tuesday night and came away with a 1-0 defeat. Probably the right results. Could have been a couple more for Bamber Bridge, to truth be known. Um, Luke Pilling made three or four fantastic saves throughout the game to keep the score down to 1-0. Rylands arguably could have stolen a point close to the end. Kelly and Mai had a fantastic chance inside the six-yard area, but... Managed to flip his shot over the bar. Um, and then busy day on Friday for the Blues as um, we brought in two players. Uh, brought in Daniel Okute, who's a young lad who we brought in on loan from Stockport County, a centre forward who made his debut yesterday. Stockport County had actually paid 10 grand for him in the summer. So he could be a very valuable asset to the team. And we've also brought back Owen Robinson on loan from Sunderland. Um, he played last season on loan from Fylde and was a very impressive performer for the Blues. So it's it's nice to have him back with the squad. Unfortunately for the Blues, we have lost Jack McCourt, who's gone up a league to Buxton. Great player um, for Jack. It's going to be a big, big miss that in the uh, in the midfield, I think. Yeah, it just, just leaves us a little bit... Maybe one player short in midfield. Um, Charlie Charlie Doyle's not too far away from being involved again. Um, there are solutions to missing Jack McCourt. So we've got players that can fill in there. So um, Dylan Vassallo came on at halftime yesterday playing in the number 10 role, which he's very adept at playing. If if we really needed to, Scott Duxbury could play in midfield as well. He's a very capable runner with the ball, very strong in the challenge and, and can pick a pass. Could always move around the defensive that way, but I'm sure the manager will be looking as ever to maybe bring one more body into that midfield position before the transfer window closes at the end of March. Yeah, I um, think that's um, in the midfield. They've obviously seen... Um, obviously, Neil, the uh, James Neil, move into midfield from um, from the back four. So, um, having Neil D and um, and Dean Furman in the middle, um, so Jody change formation almost like a three four three really with a um, a bit of a, a bit of a number ten role um, up top in that in that three. So, um, it still works even though we're losing Jack. But then um, there's not really um, not really much support if one of those two guys goes 
goes down until uh, until doors really like kind of fully back into it. So um, I think we might see another midfielder come back in. Uh, whether we see the um, the three four three continue, um, or whether we once we get to an extra body, kind of back to that three five two. But um, yeah, obviously the the results at the end of the day on Saturday, rounds coming out one nil winners. Um, not the prettiest of wins. But um, I think after three defeats on the trot, I think um, you'd you'd almost take any any win. Yeah, after, yeah um, absolutely. Losses. Uh, sometimes the ugliest wins are the most important ones, and um, there were parts of yesterday that were pretty ugly. the The first half was was it wasn't very good. Uh, I think Liversedge would have been delighted to have come away from it with a point. Rylands looked. A little bit nervous, I think. I think Liversedge, very um, defensive-minded. As soon as Ryland's got the ball, they dropped into a low block. All 10 men behind the ball, 10 outfield players behind the ball. Ryland's loads and loads of possession, but it was it was only possession really up to the halfway line. Yeah, it was a very scrappy game, I thought, as well. Um, for, for the whole 90 minutes, um, it was very scrappy. Um I would say you know not not the prettiest, but um, but when it when it came to it, um, the first half, both teams could have got a goal. Um, Ryland's um, they were kind of sleeping a bit at the back, and um, Lewis has managed to uh, get a good header away, and it came off. The, I've no idea how it didn't go in. It came off the inside of the post and just trickled out. It was so close to uh, to going in for Liversidge, and then um, ten minutes later. Sam Edge from a set piece um, does everything right, gets a free header, heads it down to the ground, but he just skins off him a bit, bounces up, hits the bar, comes out. So both teams could have really uh, come away with a, a goal in that first half. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, double change at half time saw Harry Pratt and Dylan Vassallo coming onto the pitch. Um, and it it did it did change the game in in Ryland's favour. I think Harry Pratt played very well when he came on. He gave gave the Blues a platform to play off. He brought other players into the game. Um, Vassallo very direct when he came on. Lots of running. He was actually breaking the lines between midfield and attack, which which just didn't happen really in the first half when the forward players were getting the ball. Kelly and Mai was getting bullied out of it. Daniel Cuse again, was isolated with two defenders on him. And Owen Robinson was just being forced deeper and deeper to, to try and get on the ball. So second half, the Blues came out much more intense and took the lead in the 64th minute. And it's it's one of the goals of the season. Uh, Dean Furman, first goal for the club in his, basically his year anniversary at being at the club. And it was an absolute worldy ash. Top bin, top bin, absolutely outstanding finish. And uh, when, when he got laid off to him from, um, laid off at the edge of the box, we hit it from about 25 yards out. As soon as he was running up to to it, you could tell he's, he's going he's gonna to hit this, he's going to hit it. And um, it, it just felt like it was just going to go in and then that would be uh, the, the, um, the bit of class which the game needed to uh, to break the deadlock. 
And um, and thankfully, that was uh, all Ryan's needed to uh, to get the three points. Yeah, so some massive three points for the Blues, and just as important as the three points getting a clean sheet after uh, three three not great results, and massive boost for Luke Pilling as well getting his first clean sheet for the Blues. So that moves Ryland's back up to eighth position, just a couple of points outside the playoffs now, albeit. Other teams around us have games in hand, but obviously you'd rather have the points on the board than the games in hand. So just got to get that consistency in performance now and the results will follow the performances. Yeah, that's right. Warrington Town obviously maintain their playoff position with that draw at FC United. So um, both Warrington teams still uh, definitely in the hunt for a um, for a playoff spot. Um be interested to see how some of the games in hands fall because Town have played 27, Ryland's 28. You know, those are the you know, two of the highest um highest games played in the league. There's a lot of teams, particularly mid and lower table, who've got three, four, five games in hand. So um be interesting to see how some of these midweek games catch up. Um, if any other teams kind of uh, go on a bit of a run and uh, push Town and Ryland's for the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. It's building building nicely towards the end of the season. That's Town and Ryland's covered for this week. Um, now going to move on to our interview. And we're very fortunate this week to have a former international captain. Um, made his debut for South Africa against Brazil. He was, came through at Chelsea, played for Rangers, Bradford, Oldham, Doncaster, played in South Africa and has been at Ryland's for one year was yesterday's match winner, none other than Dean Furman. Welcome back to the Warrington Football Podcast. I'm here today with uh, Rick Ward interviewing the happiest footballer in the world, Dean Furman. How are you doing, Dean? Evening, Jens. Pleasure to be joining you tonight. Thanks for coming on, Dean. Not a problem. Yeah, I've, I've heard you've uh, been called the happiest footballer in the world a few times on a uh, on a few interviews. Um, yeah, I, I've been uh, been been lucky enough to have. Um, been blessed to have a, have a really, really good career. And actually, when you strip it all back and you strip away the politics and the highs and lows of winning and losing and injuries and all the rest of it, I've been I've been lucky to actually go and live my dream and play football every day with my mates. Um, it's not not as simple as that, but if you strip away everything else, that is uh, essentially what I've done for for the majority of my life. So yeah, I do uh, I do have a smile on my face. Uh, very, very lucky to have uh, lived my dream, uh, and only wish, uh, only wish I was starting again because uh, it was a roller coaster. It was fantastic, um, but yeah, very lucky to have, have lived my dream. And I know not many get to uh, get to do that. That's it. I think it's um, it's most uh, most little boys' dreams to be able to play football for a living and become a professional footballer. Um, I believe it was Chelsea where you um, you came through the the academy, was it? Where you started to play as a child? Yeah, so I I, I got uh, moved over to uh, the UK from South Africa at the age of five. 
I was just playing for my my Sunday league team, like we all like like all young boys and girls do. Um, and at the age of nine, there was a scout at, at one of my games offered me and and um, my best mate the opportunity to go down. He's still my best mate to this day. Um, the opportunity to go down to Chelsea have a trial, um, and we were both on a six week trial. And at the end of the trial, I got offered a, a one year deal at the time, or one year or two years, whatever it was. Uh, to join the the academy, unfortunately for my mate, um, he didn't get offered a, a contract. He went on a, a slightly different route, um, which is amazing. I mean, we were both very talented nine-year-olds. How do they say, oh, you're better, you've got more of a chance, you want to be in our academy? It still amazes me to this day that for whatever reason, they took a liking to me and, and um, unfortunately for my mate, not so much to him. So that just shows you that little bit of luck uh, because it, he's a top top player could have very easily been him who got the opportunity to join uh to get that contract Chelsea um but yeah I was at I was at the academy from the age of nine went up through the age groups and um I think it, it starts to become serious under 15 16 that's the, that's the age where you you start looking at the your the YTS if you're going to get not offered your apprenticeship forms um as it was back then it might have changed now I think but you you kind of join with the under 16 so you kind of play a year above yourself it was a it was a joint team and you're getting scrutinized every single week um are, are you good enough physically um mentally good enough technically so every week you're getting watched um and thankfully for me at the end of that season um as a 16 year old I got offered my um my my YTS uh, contract at Chelsea which, I mean, what a moment. I finished my GCSEs, year 11. I know next year I'm going uh, to be a full-time footballer. And so, yeah, to say that was the, the real start of my dream when I was going in to be a footballer, it was, it was incredible, it really was. So going in every day, it was, it was that time was um, Steve Clark, who's, who's a Scotland manager. He was the youth team manager. Jose Mourinho had just taken over at Chelsea, so... Uh, he promoted Steve Clark to the youth team, uh, to the first team, and Brendan Rodgers took over as Chelsea uh, youth team manager. So going in full time, got Brendan Rodgers, my youth team coach. It's at the same time as Abramovich has just taken over Chelsea. So you've got millions of pounds getting spent. You've got the likes of John Terry, Frank Lampard, Didier Drogba, uh, Claude Makaleli, Arjun Robin, all these superstars around you. So yeah, what a place to start my journey. It was uh, it was a, a very special way to kind of build the foundations to my career. Yeah, there's some incredible footballers at uh, at Chelsea at uh, at that time. Um, did you do the uh, did you do the the bedding in process of uh, cleaning all the boots and everything like that? So sadly, not. Um, I, I I wish I did. Chelsea just had kit men who used to do it, um, and I'm a big believer. I I would have given anything to clean John Terry or Frank Lampard's boots. Um, that for me would have been my joy. Um, and I've been lucky enough to be a first team player at football clubs where you come in every day and your boots are sitting at your at your place, nicely cleaned. So it's so it's great on the other side. But for me to have to especially to to Frank Lampard, someone who. I looked up to as my hero and John Terry, the club captain, um, to have been given the privilege. It is a privilege to, to clean his boots. It would have been a dream of mine. But yeah, Chelsea, they had so many kit men uh, that that was one of their jobs. And unfortunately, we didn't get to do it. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, never made uh, an appearance for Chelsea, but uh, you moved on to Rangers where you made your debut. 
Yeah, I mean, the reality is, the reality is, I just wasn't good enough. Um, when you, when you're at that level, uh, especially once Bromwich came in, the ball game just changed, and not only were they spending whatever million on on the best players in the world at the time they're also starting to spend a bit more money in, in the academy um we bring, brought in the likes of scott sinclair and ryan bertrand from from bristol rover scott was at and i can't remember where ryan southampton was bertrand was it <sighs> could he have been at southampton did he end up at southampton, no, end up southampton. so yeah. you can see the caliber of players and then at, even at even at under 18 level um so for me ultimately wasn't good enough um but quite a nice story how how i got the opportunity to go to rangers as i said brendan rogers was our youth team manager and he already had links at celtic um so brendan actually sent me up to celtic um for a week's trial and had a cracking week there really good week trained really well came back uh, whilst i was up there i knew someone who was up there who had links with rangers and he kind of said to me well if you're coming up here you're going to a proper club uh his words not mine <laughs> Um, and uh, he he kind of got me an opportunity to go into Rangers. I, I went there for a trial um, a couple of weeks later, and at the end of the week, they offered me the contract and said, "Look, if you go back to range, if you go back to Celtic, um, we are we'll, we'll we'll take our offer off the table." So they kind of forced my hand into it. Obviously, we were going to try and bounce the two off each other. Uh, they forced my hand into it, and um, yeah, brilliant decision. It was it was fantastic. Absolutely loved my time. I mean not many young players get the opportunity to go from one massive club to another massive, massive club. Um, for me as an 18 year old, it was a, it was a massive learning curve for me because um, I, as a youngster, 17, 18 at Chelsea, I was, I was in digs, but then I was going home at the weekend. When I get to Glasgow as an 18 year old, I get off the plane. Someone picks me up at the airport, takes me to an apartment and says, right, this is where you live. This is it. So I'm like, right how do I cook how do I clean how do I pay bills what bills do I have to pay like all of a sudden I'm 18 or I've got to I've got to grow up very very quickly so for me not just on the pitch off the pitch as well it was an amazing few years because I, I had to just learn how to live properly um and it was it was a huge learning curve for me and one that that um fantastic period yeah how did you find that balance because a lot, a lot of people would just see the footballer on the pitch, you know, the you know the privilege to be there. You know, they, they don't think about the human behind the footballer. Sometimes, how did did you find that sometimes in training or in games, things you know while you're trying to settle into living on your own, did you find that that sometimes affected you on the pitch? Yeah, I think I think the one thing for me was the cooking. So originally, and and uh, football clubs will a lot of them will promise you the world before you sign, and then you sign, and then <laughs> nothing nothing ever materializes. So one of the things I always remember they said to us, what we'll do is when uh, at lunch after lunch, the chef will um, the chef will take whatever the food uh, that's left over. he'll he'll um, he'll put it aside for you. you can take it home and and so at least you that's your dinner. Obviously it never happened. So we're, we're a couple of months in, I had a, a flatmate, another player. We're kind of struggling a little bit. We, we, we're eating rubbish because as an 18 year old, cooking's probably not your, um, not, not the, not something that you've learned. Um, and 
the probably one of the best things that the chef actually did um, and I always thank him for this he took us in he said guys look I'm not comfortable with sending food home for you I don't want you reheating food all the rest of it uh, he said let me teach you a few recipes let me get you going taught us how to make a spaghetti bolognese some chicken some pasta a few different dishes that was the best thing he could have done for us because now from there we could we could do anything if you, if you just learned the basics he taught us that and so that was one of the kind of more human side of, of being a young footballer that people just don't realize I'm just a young boy living away from home and I think about my mates at uni who at the time they were also going off to Leeds or Manchester or wherever they went but like you can get away with having beans on toast every night or a pizza or or whatever it is as a young footballer trying to break into Rangers first team you've got to have a certain diet so yeah. there's that was a bit of a transitional period for me and um yeah we we very quickly learned what was good for us and what wasn't what worked for us and what didn't and um yeah very quickly we, we worked that one out and and the rest of kind of growing up as a man really yeah well over the um over the next seven years you uh, broke into um, English Football League over 200 appearances which is incredible over seven years there's one game in particular I uh, want to talk to you about. Uh, it's when you was at Doncaster. Now, there's obviously a um, a famous video which always pops up around playoff time where um, it was at Doncaster against uh, Brentford, was it? Where um, I think you, you gave away a, a penalty, what, the 94th minute, was it, Dean? Yeah, so very weird that people think it was me that gave away the penalty. Because the person who gave the, away the penalty was Jamie McComb, who was our centre back. Jamie McComb is six foot six, and I'm five foot seven at a push. So how on earth they've got the two of us mixed up? I get it if it was like my midfield partner, who's like the same size as me and looks quite similar. It's Jamie McComb, who's double my height. So how they've actually, how that actually was after the game? I'm getting all these tweets through and all these messages like saying I can't believe you gave a penalty away in the 94th minute I was like it wasn't me so yeah yeah it wasn't me so but yeah incredible uh circumstances I mean what what happened for me personally is I I um I was at Oldham I was the club captain um I went away to the African Cup of Nations in January um during that time Paul Dickoff my manager um unfortunately got sacked at Oldham um, and then I came back in end of Jan from the African nations. Um, and, um, uh, Paul Dick called me and said, look, Doncaster want you on loan. Would you like to go? And I kind of said, well, first of all, what's it got to do with you? Well, you're not like, at, how, what's Doncaster got to do with you? And he kind of said, well, I'm potentially getting the job, but they want a midfielder to help them get promotion. But at the time I was at Oldham, I was the captain, we're fighting relegation. Um, so it really wasn't something that I was particularly comfortable with doing. Uh, but to cut a long story short, it kind of suited all parties. Oldham got some money in for me. Uh, Doncaster got the player that they wanted. And for me, it was a great opportunity to one, go and win the league and two, potentially go and play in the championship. Um, so I went and joined Doncaster. We end up in um, final game of the season. Bournemouth are top. We're second. Brentford are third. Uh, Brentford need to win. We just need a point. And we've got the best away record in the league. Brentford have got the home, the best home record in the league. So it was meant to be. It was meant to come down to that last game. Um, and anyway, I, I remember the game pretty clearly. Um, they didn't really trouble us. I, th I think they hit the post. Um, but we were pretty comfortable for the for the majority of the game. 
and uh, 94th minute they've launched one into their box into our box a bit of a scramble a bit of a melee in the box and not me Jamie McComb uh, brings down their striker and what happened after that was just the most I mean it's incredible and that's that's the reason why every year it, it, it resurfaces um but before the actual penalty was taken there there was like a, a fight a bit of a scrap over who was going to take the penalty so from the actual penalty decision to the lad taking the penalty it was like a good few minutes so it built up the suspense and the pressure um and this they had a lad on loan an italian lad on loan from uh from fulham he wouldn't give the ball to the club captain to take the penalty to send Brentford into the championship. Um, he then takes, uh, takes the penalty, hits the crossbar, another scramble in the box. We managed to clear it. Our striker, Billy Painter, um, is on the halfway line, kind of with his head in his hands, can't watch. He says he opens his eyes, the ball's coming to him. All their players were up the other end. He runs through, squares it to James Coppinger, who's like Doncaster club legend, who taps it into an open net. So from basically dropping into the playoffs... To winning uh, to winning the league within the space of twenty seconds, um, it, it it gives me raises the hairs on my arms just speaking about it. It was a phenomenal moment. Yeah, it's it's an incredible story, really. It's uh, so it's it's obviously not in the playoffs, but it's obviously a big part of um, getting into the playoffs. But it just shows the the magic of um, of, of competition, and particularly around playoff time, the magic of a football game can can bring. Yeah, I think the problem with the playoffs is very often the team who drops out of the automatic spots into the playoffs, and it, it always happens, they really struggle in the playoffs. And for me, I, I just knew if we drop into the playoffs, we were really, really going to struggle. And Brentford lost in the final to Yeovil that year. So it just shows you like that momentum that we would have lost. Um, it would have extended our season two weeks. I already had a holiday booked to go and see my brother in Miami. I would have had to cancel that. Like it just it, that team who drops into the playoffs always seems to struggle. So for us to get it over the line in that fashion was just, uh, yeah, absolutely incredible. And I, I love that it comes around every year. But we do need to remove my name from the record books there. <laughs> give away the penalty. Yeah. And uh, before we move on to your your time at uh, Warrington Rylands, um, you spent five years in South Africa, broke into the national team. And your debut, I believe, was against none other than Neymar's Brazil. Yeah, so um, so I was born there. Um, all my family's from there. So um, quite hard in in League One, where I was at the time at Oldham, to to really have a sort of presence. It's not televised there. They're not watching the highlights. Maybe more so back then. Uh, the football world's a lot smaller now. So what we tried to do was just do the odd article and, and in the local newspaper or the national newspapers in South Africa to make them aware that there is a South African playing at a very good level um, over in the UK. And I had once been, I'd been called up once before when I was a youngster at Rangers. That was before the 2010 World Cup. Um, I didn't manage to get on the pitch, unfortunately, uh, but had a good week training. It was a good experience. And thought right that's really it's never going to happen again and um i just got a call a couple of years later call out the blue it's a plus two seven number which now i know south africa but at the time didn't have a clue just answered it um i was actually on the golf course at the time turns out it was the new manager gordon Iggerson, who had just got the got the job wasn't sure if it was a wind-up didn't know what it was and anyway he's uh, chatting away and he says look 
we're going to Brazil next week. We've got a friendly against Brazil. We'd love for you to join us. So I'm like, oh, wow, um, that is uh, that is incredible. I mean, who gets this opportunity to go and, one, just go to Brazil to train with a national, your, your national team, uh, and two, maybe get 30 seconds if I come on in the 93rd minute against Brazil. So I thought to myself, well, let's go there. Let's be exactly as I am at Oldham. I was a captain at the time, so be loud, be present, be like, be as I'm in training, try and interact with the lads. I didn't know any of them. Um, and if I get a minute, what an experience. Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. And um, had a decent week training Friday night. The manager names a team in the team meeting and I'm starting. Uh, so obviously didn't sleep that night. Um, and we come to the next day playing Brazil. And for me, the most surreal moment was the national anthems. I just looked along the line to my left um and had a look at that brazil team it was david luiz oscar um danny alves marcelo hulk neymar uh it, it was just i was like i had to pinch myself i'm going from playing in league one uh no disrespect to <laughs> to flying over to brazil and playing against neymar so yeah pretty incredible place to make my debut i gave him a little um a little taste of what league one's all about gave him a nice tackle tackle early on um and had a really good debut and and, and from there I was lucky lucky enough to go and have um, over 50 caps um for for South Africa which was the most phenomenal experience um and it was um yeah it was all all started uh, uh just out the blue really from a random phone call and uh, very lucky to have been given that opportunity incredible absolutely incredible so dean what was the um what was the transition like? Because obviously no disrespect to Doncaster, but it is Doncaster. And then when you signed for Supersports as the country's captain, obviously it was, it was a bit of a homecoming for you, wasn't it? Yeah, so I think I think Doncaster, Oldham, like you're, you're recognised within, ta- within the town. So people know you in the town, whereas... Whereas when I went over to South Africa as a national team player, there was like a, it was like what we see here. There was an unveiling. I was on like, so Supersport is Sky Sports News of of Africa. So I was on like the, the TV channel on breaking news. There's a, there's like press there and there. Like it's, it's, it was like a big secret. Hush, hush. Couldn't tell anyone I was in the country. And it was, it was wild. Like it was, it was mad. I'm sitting in a hotel, turning on the TV and there I am in a press conference. It's, it was, um, it was just very different to what I was used to. And I'd been over with the national team many times before that. Um, I don't know how many caps I'd had, 20, 30 odd by that stage. Um, but I, I would go and play and then leave the next day. So I never was really immersed in in the scrutiny and the pressure and kind of when I went over there to live you understand it's on the radio it's on the tv it's in the streets you're going through your car with petrol people are talking to you uh you will have a walk in the shopping center or the waiter at a restaurant everyone wants to talk to you where they want to give you a bit of stick if you've been playing badly they want to come and like congratulate you if you're playing well so the whole level of scrutiny just amplified uh massively um and to be perfectly honest with you the first three or four months I really struggled that season I didn't have a pre-season so I was coming in unfit South Africa is a summer league so we're now going from playing in what we're playing in at the moment three and four degrees to 33 degrees 
um, plus Johannesburg and Pretoria, where um, Supersport is based, is at high altitude. So I was, I've got to be honest, I was miles off it to begin with. Um, but thankfully, thankfully, I t- and not only that, different culture in the dressing room. There's a different style of play. There's a different, there's, it's it's a less physical league, but a very quick league. So, so I was getting booked every week and like, I really had to adapt to a new way of, of playing. Um, and thankfully, I, I managed to turn it around and, and had a very, very successful five years. But it was, um, yeah, a, an, an amazing experience. And I, I really encourage any young player considering to go and play abroad. It was definitely the best thing that I ever did. Yeah. So what was it like playing for South Africa as not only a white man, but also a Jewish man? What was that like? Yeah, so, so the Jewish side of things never really, that was never really brought up. I, I think to look at me, you wouldn't know I'm Jewish. I'm very proud of it. I don't hide it. But to just look at me on the pitch, you don't know that I'm that I'm Jewish. So um, that was, was never a factor for me. The Jewish community has always been amazing to me wherever I've been. Um, so that side, that, that side of things has always been kind of very important to me. Yeah, um, it's obvious because you've, you've always kind of throughout your career tried to further Jewish players coming into the game? Yeah, there's there's very, very few. Uh, if you look at British Jewish players, there's myself, there's Joe Jacobson, who has had an amazing career and is still going at the age of 36 at Wickham, Wickham's club captain at the moment. Um, there was a lad called Nicky Blackman, who had a, a very good career, played for Blackburn, Oldham, Sheffield United. Um, and there's a lad at um, Gillingham at the moment called Scott Kashket. Um, and that's that's it so massive um, massive underrepresentation isn't it yeah very much so so I think certainly myself and Joe who's one one of my best mates we we think that hopefully what we've done on the back of our careers we can show young Jewish players um, that there is an opportunity there is a career out there it's a fantastic career it takes commitment not just from yourself from your family Um, my parents gave up so much of their time to to uh, help me progress in my career to from taking me to training to matches to uh, it's, it's a huge commitment for everyone um yeah, i think i think i met your dad once haven't i yeah he's been up and they love it now now as much is, as is it your uh, granddad that listens as well to us uh, yeah my parents tune in uh, so my parents will go if, if they're down in london where they live my parents my granddad they'll go watch my brother um and they'll probably have you on in the radio listening so they always uh they always have a good listen um so yeah for them it's 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 a me it was a major commitment going growing up um so for for myself and joe i think we we want to show that there is a career if, if you've got the, the ability if it's your dream um then it is achievable um and and, and as a white guy playing in south africa it's um for me it, it wasn't an issue um and i was very lucky in that i was i was very well received i think what worked for me is that i was so different to the players i was playing with um there's a word called shibobo which is like kind of skills um and i don't have any of that um, i was all about <laughs> i was all about hard work grit determination get stuck in do the dirty work and for whatever reason, the fans just really accepted that. And they really, they, they just, they, 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 they took me in as their own. Um, and I was very lucky because I've seen many other players coming to that national team. I was involved with the national team for over 10 years. I've seen many, many other players come in and just 
the fans just write them off straight away. And for whatever reason, the fans took a liking to me um, and took a liking to me at times. At other times, I was a scapegoat, which happens at, at national team level. At times, I was the hero. At times, I was the villain. It's, it's when, when you're playing at that level, one bad game, you're going to get destroyed the next the next game you're going to be you're, you're the superstar you're the national hero so uh, i've had it all but on on the whole um the love and respect that i have from the south african fans was absolutely phenomenal and then coming back to england to to carlisle wasn't it yeah so uh, my wife fell pregnant um and we always knew that when we were starting a family we wanted to move back to the uk um south africa is just so big that an away game can be fly to Cape Town on Friday, play on Saturday, fly back on Sunday. And I, I think at the time we just decided that we wanted to be closer to our, our family. My wife's from Manchester, her family's from here. Um, we decided that that that's where we were going to live. And we, we just wanted to be closer to uh, our immediate family. And um, then the pandemic hit. Um, so thankfully my wife got out on the last flight before South Africa closed their borders. Um, I managed with a bit of a sweat on to get home two weeks before my little girl was born. And then that was kind of, um, June time. So then now I'm, I'm looking for a club, but the questions are one, well, you're 33. People don't really like to sign players over 30. Excuse me. Um, it's a pandemic. There's a salary cap. Uh, nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows if you're going to have fans in. Nobody knows if the season's going to go ahead. Um, so it was a very, very difficult market to get a club in. And, and I'm, I'm grateful to Carlisle for, uh, I went there on trial. Um, they gave me a, a year's contract. And unfortunately, it didn't go uh, as well as I would like. And probably the, the main reason for that is the boy who played my position just had a fantastic season. Um, my only gripe was that I didn't play alongside him more, but he had a brilliant season. One of those that every set piece he takes is an assist. Every tackle he makes, he, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. So, um, but the repercussions of that is you're now 34 and it's, oh, well, why didn't you play last season? Have your legs gone? Uh, you're too old. Uh, no, we're looking for younger so those are the questions that come on the back. Once you turn 30, the ball game just, just changes. Um, so ended up at, at Altrincham on a, on a short deal. And um, in January last year, um, a year to yesterday, I believe. Um, a year to today, your debut. A year to today. Okay. So uh, one year ago, joined uh, joined Warrington. And it's a great place for me just to enjoy my football. Um, it's it's uh, There's hopefully some... Uh, it's a progressive club. They've had a number of uh, promotions in the last few years, which is uh, quite incredible to see the rise. Um, and it, it it's great. It's it's going from uh, part uh, full time to part time, but it's letting me kind of see out my my final final months and years as a footballer um, at a at a really good level and um, just enjoying myself. You uh, you joined the Rylands team, like you say, halfway through the season, and. Had had a good season um, halfway through, but um, the second half of the season, last season, was really where Rylands um, turned on the power. And um, I think uh, from memory, was you, you might be able to confirm it, Rick, was it 
22 wins out of 25, was it, to end the season? Something like uh, that? Yeah, something like that. It's just from Christmas, it was just incredible last season. We just we got on a roll, didn't we, Dean? And, and the spirit in the changing rooms was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I came in um, and I remember sitting down with Mac and he, I think we were looking at playoffs, really. We, we wanted to secure a playoff spot as quickly as possible. That was the goal, because I think top of the league were nine, ten points ahead of us. Um, and it just didn't look like we were, we were able to close it down. And we just went on a run. We just went, we won every single week. And um slowly but surely we clawed it back and you know nine points ten points looks like you're never going to make it when that goes to six points and then you come in and you win and they draw and you dropped it down to four points and then uh you kind of go and hold on a minute we can do this um and yeah last day of the season probably didn't quite go to plan but but once again drama on on the last day of the season such um, a wild game a win would guarantee you win the title, yeah. Um, a draw, and you have to have um, results go your way elsewhere. And um, there was what about five minutes gap between the uh, the end of the Ryland game and finding out the result of the other game. So I bet that was uh, heart and mouth. Uh, yeah, sort of not fun once again. My my thinking exactly the same as as with Donny. If we fall into the playoffs, we're really going to struggle, um, especially because. We had we had promotion, we had the title in our hands, um, and when you've got to go and extend your season and go and go and play some really tough playoff games where, where anything can happen, um, my my thinking was it's going to be really really difficult. So yeah, thankfully um, all the stars aligned, <laughs> we somehow uh, somehow got over the line, and um, yeah, it was great to get great to seal the promotion, and um, it was it was brilliant scenes over over at. Uh, over at the ground and in the bar afterwards. Yeah, it was, it was one of my favourite things last season. Whenever we got a new player and we won our first game with that new player in the squad, obviously we were singing after the game. So I just used to focus on the new player every week just to see the faces. And you were just like, what on earth is going on here? And all lads jumping up and down, singing around the change room. It's hilarious. Yeah. A winning dressing room is, is a great dressing room, no matter what level of football you're playing at. Um, yeah. and especially when you go you on a run as well don't you when you walk into it and you I kind of thought last season probably the Ramsbottom away game if you remember it yeah I think we won one nil I said to Maka after the game was like we're gonna win this league yeah and he's like no no we'll get players we'll get players I was like no seriously we'll we'll win this league now yeah there's little yeah. moments there's little moments like like that Ramsbottom game um that you think, right, this is going to happen for us. There's always a little moment. Um, and, yeah, it's just we, we went on this roll, on this run. I think towards the end of the season, we struggled because we were playing some fantastic football. And towards the end of the season, when the pitches kind of went really dry and bobbly, we struggled to play. And that Ramsbottom game in particular was just, the pitch was an absolute disaster. But we found a way to win. The keeper had an a way world to win game, now, particularly playing that well, you think right we can do this now um and yeah thankfully thankfully we did it and it was uh, it was a great moment for everyone involved with the club yeah so obviously um moving from last season to this season obviously you were named club captain over the summer um i remember last season 
obviously there's there's loads of big characters in there and you were quite quiet in in the change room some games and obviously this season now obviously you you're very experienced as a captain and i remember liver said you away this season and i think we were 2-1 down at half time and you absolutely laid into the team and i was like right right there's there's dino there's the captain we're going to be fine now yeah <clears throat> it's um as a captain you sometimes you've got to say certain things um last season wasn't the place i came in to to help the team um it was Podge's team. There were other players who had been there a long, long time. For me, it was it was more important to just make sure that I was performing and trying to inspire others, um, and and try and help the team get promoted. So this season, um, given the captain's armband, and it's not just myself. I think a massive part of of and he could just as easily wear the captain's armband is Big Edgy at the back. Yeah, um, he's a massive influence both on and off the pitch. We work very closely together. We speak a lot. Yeah. Um, well, I, I speak to both of you after every game on a Saturday night, don't I? Yeah, exactly. Always exactly. send you a message. Talking so, the game. He's always talking. Always. He's a, yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a natural natural lead. And I think yeah, as, as a captain, you need players around you who've got similar mindsets, who are who, who've got who are leaders. Um, and he, he's he's a leader in that he'll put his head his head on the line, but it also he's a big voice in the dressing room. He's a big character, so. Yeah, for me, um, it's interesting you, you talk about that that game because, um, and this this comes down to how you've got to adapt. So I I did something very similar in South Africa. I moved over to Supersport, and within about two or three months, I got given the captain's armband, which for me was actually I, I think it was too soon. Um, there were probably other players at the club that maybe should have had it before me, but I was given it. And I, I did exactly that. It was at half time, and I came in and gave a bit of a hammering, and it just wasn't well received at all. It hard? really wasn't. And like, it just it was a very quick lesson in that I had to adapt to the culture. The culture is not going to adapt to me. If that's that's an English dressing room mentality, that doesn't go on in a in a South African dressing room. And I had to change. Um, so that's then like they're not going to change for me. So. Um, it, yeah, that experience just kind of, it, it gave me so much as a captain, just understanding different people. And uh, for me, that's what it's about. It's it's just kind of knowing your teammates, knowing what works for them, knowing what doesn't work for them, that someone might need a rocket, a rocket up their ass, someone might need an arm around the shoulder and you've, you've got to work out who's who and how, how you're going to get the best out of them. Yeah, I think I even bought you your armband after that game, to be honest. You did, you did, mate. You did, and I, uh, I do enjoy my red armband. So, yes, yeah. yeah, so it definitely works though, because two-one uh, down at halftime. I think it finished five-two. Rylands that game. Yeah, yeah, sometimes there's things that need to be said, and that's not to overstate <laughs> the manager. Um, but sometimes, if you hear it from another voice, it can it, it can hit home harder. So sometimes, yeah, if something needs to be said, it needs to be said. Um, yeah, so I think it's it's kind of that almost like aura that you have that everybody obviously instantly respects you because of kind of the background that you've had and um do you remember um last season we were doing a video session with Tim before a game and he was talking about your midfield position and he was like so Dino did did you get coached how to do this 
And you're like, no, no, I picked it up in a game against someone I was playing against. And Tim was like, oh, who was that? He's just like, just dead casual. Oh, um, Andres Iniesta. <laughs> Everyone was just like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Different class to us. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's one of the, the, the great things about playing uh, for your national team. Just played against some incredible players. So, um played against Brazil as we discussed played against Spain um so to come up against someone like Iniesta uh their midfield was Iniesta Alonso and Busquets on the night um and we uh, we actually beat them we won 1-0 so that was um Whose shirt did you get come on no unfortunately didn't get a shirt um, oh, no so what so what happened was we went we went 1-0 up and it was it was an international friendly so um Spain are number one in the world we're number 65 or whatever so if we beat number one in the world it's massive ranking points um so we're one nil up 60 minutes they make six changes as as these international friendlies do so off goes Iniesta Alonso um a number of other players Ike Casillas um switched with um Victor Valdez so they've made their six subs and Victor Valdez then does his calf so he goes down, they want to bring on Pepe Reina. And we're all like, just bring him on. What, what's going on? Our bench is going nuts. So the rule is if you make more than six substitutions, then it's not classed as an official friendly. It's classed, I don't know what, what it would be called, but you don't get your ranking points. Like an exhibition so, almost then. But and, yeah, exactly. So um, so our bench is going mad, their bench is fighting, everyone's kicking off. And so end of the game, we win the game. We're on the pitch with the fans or, or like doing a bit of a lap and we do our media stuff. And I thought, well, how many times am I going to get to get Iniesta shirt? I mean, there were some other great players on at the time, uh, but I thought, how many opportunities will I get to get on uh, Iniesta shirt? So I thought, I'll go, up to, I'll go up to the dressing room. I'll knock on the door and I'll ask for a shirt. And I went and knocked on the door and the kit man just said, no, we're not swapping. So they obviously took the hump from... One, they lost. Two, they the the commotion around the substitution and decided not to swap with any of us. Oh, so, so gutted. But I've got some I've got some great pictures of me uh, chasing his shadow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, a, a, a special night. It was it was amazing. Yeah. What what's the best shirts in your collection then? So again, I've I've not done wonderfully with shirts. It's um, the Spain one. That was a story. We played Brazil. Um, the, I've played them twice. The first time um, in in Brazil, it's one of those where you walk down the tunnel and then it just splits. The away team goes that way and the home team goes that way. And I think David Luiz said he'd switch with me in the tunnel. And we did the split and never saw them again. Um, and then the other opportunity I had was, I've got Stephen Pienaar's Everton shirt. So as a South African legend, that's, that's a great one for me. And um, we played Liverpool at Anfield in the FA Cup. And it's really tough because you're trying to focus on your game, but you know you want someone's shirt. So I'm, like, I'm up against Steven Gerrard. I'm the captain. He's the captain. I'm like, come on. Um, we had uh, we had a striker called Chef Kucci, who I'm yeah. sure you, you'll remember. Chef had, he had prearranged to get Gerrard's shirt, which was a bit disappointing because he had played in the Premier League and he told us all the shirts he's got. So that was a bit disappointing. But as the game's going on, there's like an injury and I can see one of the other lads going up to Carrigan saying, oh, can I switch with you? I'm like, oh, shit, Carrigan's gone. <laughs> then, then someone else goes up to Bellamy and Bellamy's gone. Um, 
So I ended up, uh, I said to Andy Carroll at the end of the game, can I get your shirt? So he said, oh yeah, I'll give it to you inside. Um, got inside and, and uh, Shefki nabbed that as well. Oh, Coochie, <laughs> come on, lad. So I ended up, I got Charlie Adam. I know Charlie from, from <laughs> Rangers. Um, but yeah, as long as I've got some pictures that, that give me some good memories of the day. Yeah. Then, that's there is, there's some great out. pictures of you online, isn't there? There's, uh, there's one with Salad that's always a good one that crops up. Yeah, as I said, playing for your national team, I, I was really lucky just to play. So not only some a couple of sort of Spain, Brazil, but in Africa, there's some massive players and some massive teams. Um, and that's the best thing about it. You get to test yourself against against these these superstars. So like Samane, Salah, um, you look at Thomas Partey at midfield. I played him on a cabbage patch in Ghana and he was just, he was a joke. He was outstanding. And I was like, wow, this boy's this boy is something. I can see what he's all about. Um, imagine putting him on um, a, a, a beautiful pitch at the Emirates. <laughs> He'll be all right if he can handle a cabbage patch in Ghana. Um, so you really come up against some some top top players, um, and it's it's great to it's great to test yourself. It was an incredible experience. Yeah. So uh, back to this season then. Um, bit of a roller coaster, hasn't it, this season? Um, Massive highs, some really good results, but then we'll we go on um, three game runs. It seems at the minute we'll play really well for three games, have three bad games, and then pick back up again. So it's just getting consistency now, isn't it? That's, that's the word. It's consistency, and it's it's it struck us the whole season. Um, I think we've been a bit unlucky with with injuries at times. We've been well, yeah, we've had some major injuries. Um, we've been credit to the boys who've gone Cal and Kane but those are two huge players for us who've who've credit to them for the moves that they've got but they, they were huge parts of our team um so we've 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 had a managerial change um at the start so that took a little while to to um to transition to the new manager um so yeah it has been a roller coaster we've lacked consistency but at times we've shown that we're a match for anyone so if we can find some level of consistency, I think that you, you've got the you've got the basis of a, of a good team at this level. Um, we're in a position now. If we put a great run together, possibly we can sneak the playoffs. We're not that far off. I know a lot of teams have got games in hand on us, so there could be an opportunity. But we have to find that consistency. We've we've got um, a pretty tough few games coming up. Play Hyde next week, top of the league. I know we've got South Shields coming up. It's a bit of a mixture. We play some at the top, some at the bottom. But we've won. We've just got to find that consistency, and we have to come up with um, some results that people maybe don't respect uh, expect. So that might mean beating Hyde next week. Um, we're going to have to yeah go all out to to get into those playoffs. Yeah, so obviously yesterday, I don't think anyone would say we were at our best. Uh, pretty poor in the first half, but then it's been 364 days coming and uh, that lad Furman in midfield pops up with an absolute worldie, doesn't he? As a yeah. tap-in, I thought. Bit of a tap-in, <laughs> wasn't it? I don't score tap-ins. <laughs> I don't score many, but when I do score them, they normally hit like that. Um yeah, it was it was it was nice to see the ball hit the back of the net. It was um it's been it's been too long. It's something that my mum always said to me, if you get more score more goals, then you get yellow cards, that'll be a good season. And to this day, 34 <laughs> years old, I've never done it. Um, <laughs> so um 
yeah, it was it was nice to see it hit the back of the net. It's um, it's I don't shoot enough to be honest. So probably thirty four. Probably not got the getting more this season than last season. A little bit more, yeah. When Jack McCourt was was sitting behind me, I did get forward a little bit more. Uh, but yesterday I just thought, right, I need to pull the trigger here. Um, yeah. And it flew into it's been, the top it's corner. It's funny because a few times you've got into the area. I was like, and it's it's Dean, but oh, he's fallen over. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he sliced it wide again. <laughs> I think it's like a bit of a mental block. It's I used to be a decent finisher, but I, I don't know why what's happened in, in, in that uh, final third. Um, so, yeah, to see the one... one Flying to the top corner yesterday was was a, a really nice feeling. Yeah. So, how did that um, rate against the one for Oldham that won League Goal of the Year in twenty eleven? Yeah, I should, probably shouldn't shouldn't reveal this this story, but um, was that it, not you either? The actual yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that one was was definitely me. But the um, the got the actual strike was very similar to my strike yesterday. It was from long range. It was a good strike into the top corner. But why? why it was nominated it was like a really good passing move before that so it was like a team goal and I finished off with like a 30-yard strike um so what happened was 72 EFL clubs everyone submits their goal of the season um a panel then votes it down to 10 the, the best 10 um the best 10 then goes on soccer am voted down to the final five and the final five go to um the the PFA awards or the player of the year awards so uh, we get to the uh, Player of the Year awards and all the awards are already decided. So Player of the Season, Young Player of the Season, whatever whatever the awards are. But the goal of the season is on a loop on the big screens and on everyone's table, there's voting cards. Um, so not known to me, by the way, oh, this wasn't an inside job from me, but um, one of my sister's best friends was on the... Um, she was working on the corporate side that evening and she was going around to all the tables saying vote for Dean Furman, vote for Dean Furman. <laughs> so uh, potentially uh, the vote was a bit rigged, <laughs> but no, it, it was a great goal. Uh, I'm sure would have got many votes anyway. Um, but yeah, really nice to, uh, I've got that trophy somewhere, probably in the loft, but yeah, nice, a uh, nice memory for sure. Nice one, isn't it? Right. I'm going to wrap it up there, mate. I was, uh, I was saying to the lads last week, they got me, because it was my first week last week, they got me to do my best 11 that I've worked with. And I was saying, obviously, you're in midfield. And I was like, honestly, Dean is probably one of the best people I've, I've ever met in my life, let alone in football. And honestly, we're just saying on the WhatsApp group that we could talk to you all night, but we're going to wrap it up there, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you, gents. Appreciate it. No problem at all. Uh, great to have you on. Thanks a lot, Dean. Lovely, guys. Thanks a lot. Have a good evening. Yes. Cheers, Dean. Yeah. Thank you. This is the Warrington Football Podcast. Okay, massive thanks to Dean Furman there. Some guy, isn't he, gentlemen? Oh, I'll tell you what, I could, I could listen to his stories for days, I'll tell you. It's a shame we have to cut the interview short. We could have carried on all night. Yeah, I think I don't think anyone would have had any complaints if he had carried on all night. Yeah, we'll, but we'll get we'll, we'll get him on. Uh, it'd be interesting for his one to eleven. Like we did <laughs> I think yours last week. Slightly better Rick. than mine. Yeah, I've definitely yeah, put you with, the, with, there, Rick. with the with the names he was dropping in 
casually then. I would love to, I would love to know what his one to eleven will be. So hopefully he'll be up for doing that in the summer. Absolutely. I'll do a one to twenty two to be honest with you. The players, he, he play could, yeah, he could probably do about three elevens. I think. Fantastic. Okay, so let's round up the Cheshire leagues, Warrington leagues, and the Betts leagues for this weekend. Take it away, PJ. Thank you, Rick. Uh, Cheshire Leagues, just going to run through the results uh, because I've not gone into the, the great detail of the score scorers. This is where we miss Jacko. We hope he's back next week because he does all this legwork. So the Cheshire League uh, Division 1 or Premier League, I don't know which one it is. It's Crew 1, Altrincham Reserves 4, Dayton 3, Garswood 2. I think Dayton on a bit of a run now. I think if anyone can back that up, Tim, you are normally yeah, the got, guy who knows about Dayton. Since, since they've got the new manager in, and, you know they've got signed some new players. They, they seem to be getting on a bit of a rock and roll now. Try and getting out that relegation battle. Are they, are, they, are they nearly out? They must be nearly out now. They're getting close now. A couple more wins, and I think they'll be uh, they'll be safe. I've got uh, Eagle friends of the shot, friends of the pod. They. 1-2-1. It was in a cup game, but I couldn't find out what cup it was uh, against AFC Knowsley. So, well done to them, whatever cup it was. League, going to League 2 in the Chess League. Uh, Moore United didn't have a great game. Uh, they got beat 4-1 by St. Helens Reserves. Always a tough game, though, playing the St. Helens. Team. Yeah, it always is. Um, yeah. And Lim Rovers with a good win, 4-2 against Pilkington Town under 23s. So that must be a good game. Uh, they're the only ones I've got from full time. But again, if I have missed them, I do apologise. It's just because Jack Cole's not here. Uh, we're going to the Warrington Leagues now. Uh, Warrington Premier League. Uh, Croft got a heavy defeat uh, 7 0 against New Street. And Tim, you've, played, you've managed against Croft. In a couple of games, yeah, these be a really good team. That's a big beast. In that is, they've um, I think they've lost the way since Lee left, Lee Burton left, and they've lost a few players, haven't they? And I think they're struggling to put yeah. a squad out every week. So you don't want that. You don't want people struggling to for players. You need don't because otherwise it'll ruin the um, ruin the league eventually. I think it'll all go down to one league. And then you get teams that are miles better than others. Yeah. And then you like get scores like this. Yeah. A bit like Sunday League. Uh, Holton Borough, nil. Wollstone Rovers, first, nil. Pay points are still winning. 2-1 uh, against Sankeyville, first. Uh, the Village, first. And Hale Bank in the Guardian Cup. Uh, the Village won 2-0. And Sidak, five. Orford, two. Orford, first, two. In the Guardian Cup as well. Don't know what round of the Guardian Cup that is. Uh, Goal to League, one. Uh, Millbrow, two. Sankeyvale Reserves, two. Uh, another local derby. Uh, Bruce, four. Wollstone Rovers, two. So a good win for Bruce. Bruce is second in the league, I believe now. 
Yeah, they are, yeah. Your mate Elmo scored as well, P. Can you believe that? Yeah, we'll give Elmo goals, a shot. I know. I, yeah, I, I think it's because he, he gets... He might be a, it might have been a penalty. He's, a, he's one of the managers now, isn't he? <laughs> put himself down to take penalties. Holy rank. Uh, New Street, nil. Farnworth, two. Uh, Blackbrook, first, two. Bold, FC, two. That was a cup game. It finished Blackbrook, first, three, two on penalties. Which isn't... That, that's not a very high-scoring penalty shootout, is it? No. No, Must have had some good keeping that. in there or some bad shooting, one of the two. Yeah, we'll go for a good keeping. We'll, go, we'll talk we'll, about we'll penalties with Rick on the show. Uh, division, we'll go down to Division 2. Another 7-0 uh, game. Brookvale versus Halebank Reserves. 7-0. Uh, another. There's a lot of 7-0s knocking about this week. Well, there's another, there's another one in a minute. Well, it's seven, it's seven one that one, but I'll come to that in a minute. Oh, sure, uh, so. Another local derby, Crossfields three, Bruce reserves nil. Not looking good for Bruce reserves with our inside knowledge of no. the club. The struggling um, speaking players every week. Again, it's what, it's what, not you don't want that for any teams. Commitment's uh, different nowadays, I think. Like when, when I was younger, yeah. I I'd, if I missed football on Saturday, I'd be absolutely upset. Yeah, hold back then. But you know, well, we're on, we're, we're on about this when we were when we went out last one, weren't we? We were yeah. all saying that it's all changed. Take Mike's so, one. Sidak Sports um, Social Reserves six. There you go. So that's there's there's another big scoring game. Uh, another big scoring game. Got Wollstone Reserves three. Croft Reserves free, and am I right thinking of some ex-Bruce lads at Croft, Croft, uh, Croft Reserves? Yeah, so Matt Drake plays there, and a few other lads went to play here with his friends. So yeah, they seem to get a better result than got... the first team at the moment. I'm sure that was I'm sure that was the case when uh, Ash Platt was a manager at the uh, Bruce Reserves. Yeah, well, Matt, Matt Drake's here. Uh, he's a centre back, anybody? He was my top scorer that year. <laughs> And uh, I think what I, think, Matt, I, I, I Matt didn't have Conan anyone scoring for me, so I stuck him up top and he just kept on bagging goals. So, you know, I'm not going to move him. <laughs> uh, down to Division 3, we've got Burton Wood 7, Penlake 1. So there's the 7 1 I was on about. Highton 3, Holton Borough Reserves 2. Uh, Joseph Holt 3, Blackbrook uh, Youth and Development 2. Uh, Orford Reserves 2, Crossfields Reserve 0. Uh, Redgate nil, St Mike's nil. I don't know who Redgate are. Have we? Who did anyone know who Redgate are? I think they're quite a new team to the league. Okay. Well, well, there you go. See. And then the last one I've got is the Village six, Bold Reserves nil. So another high-scoring game. And that is all the scores. I do apologise if we have missed anyone off. Moving, moving on to Warrington Sunday league scores. So, Clockface oh, yeah, Miners yeah. played um, Chapelford FC. Uh, Clockface came out 8 0 winners. 
FC Sankey and King's Head played. Um, FC Sankey came out 6-1 winners, so FC Sankey are, are really flying in that league at the moment. Um, Grappenall played Bulls Head FC and Grappenall came out winners 4-0. St. Benedict's played um, the Bridge FC. The Bridge won 4-2. Um, the Crown FC played Brookvale FC, winning 4-1. The Crown did. Um, and there the Sunday League scores. And then I've just got two from the Vets League. So um, Eagle Sports travel to New Street in the County Cup, um, Liverpool County Cup, and Eagle won 5-1. And then at the Mighty Fortress of Wollstone Park, uh, Bruce I played Crossfields, which is like a local derby. And it was against the guy I used to coach with as well. And Bruce came out 5-1 winners. Uh, you came down and watched a bit of the game, didn't you, Pete? We played. I thought Bruce played really well. Kept the ball. Go on, lad. Go on, lad. I watched the first... I watched the first. I watched the first half, um, and it was you, you started off very well, and then you sort of drifted off the last for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, and I you agree. started being on top again, and then I think the last five minutes of the second, five minutes towards the end of the first half, they started to get back in. Well, yeah. I don't, I don't remember them having a, a clear shot or opportunity, um, but that midfield you've got with Jonesy and uh, Dan. I'm going to say Albrook. Don't know if that's no, Chris, Chris, Chris Albrook and Mike Dalton. Yeah, it's very good, isn't Chris it? Chris Albrook. Yeah. Mike Dalton. Yeah. And Jonesy. Uh, Jonesy. Uh, we've all played with Jonesy in the past. Yeah. He just loves it from the first minute of every game. Yeah. Even in training. Like I trained with you on Thursday, Tim, and he, he was like that. Pushes um, you hard, doesn't yeah, he, all the so time? It was, it was good. Yeah, he just wants. He's just a born winner. Yeah, my my ears are still ringing from him shouting at me all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, George came out man of the match today. Scored two. Scored with his right and his left, which he was really pleased about because he was worried because his son had his first game yesterday and he scored two. So uh, George was like, "Oh Oh, no, I've got competition in the house now." He's got (laughs) the six-year-old scoring more goals than me a season. I'll be in trouble. Wouldn't get beat by his son. Guess that wraps everything up, doesn't it, guys? I've got some breaking news. Oh, love a bit of breaking news. Oh. Warrington Women FC. Yes. Faces off against Paulton Vicks ladies today. So Paulton Vicks are third in the table and one of the three teams in that separate group at the top trying to get that one promotion spot. So um, travelling away to Paulton Vicks, who were up there, tough game. Finished Paulton Vicks ladies two. Warrington Wolves Women's FC won. Ooh. So, unfortunately, Ooh. a defeat for the ladies, but uh, a 2-1, 2-1 defeat, I think, um, is still going to be a, quite a... It shows how close they are to being at the top. But, yeah. uh, they're playing these these teams who are flying, and the, 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 it's always, you know, draw one goal in it, really close, but it just shows how close the ladies are to, uh, to being able to push up the divisions. Well, when we, when we watch them, uh, when me and Chris go and watch them, they're, they're always up there trying to trying to uh, play decent football, and it's it's just it's great to see, and uh, hopefully they can get it over the line and get promoted. Yeah, Mike Mike does a top class coach as well. He um, 
I work at the same school as Mike and he coaches the girls teams in the school. He's, he's a top class coach and he'll, he'll do well with them. I know quite a few of the girls from the team anyway. They've been there years. So like Helen, I've known for years now. Uh, really good captain, really good player. And and they've got a chance of, of moving forward if they keep that group together with, with Mike coaching them. But we've also yeah. got to give a shout out. If anyone knows where Willsey is, please get in contact because we've not heard <laughs> of him for the last three or four days. I seen him yesterday at Kids Football. Well, he hasn't replied to any of the uh, any messages, has he today? So he's gone missing. If you're listening, Will, <laughs> we still love you. Yeah, we hope yeah. to see you next week. And we're worried sick. Come on. So I guess that wraps up the show this week. Um, and once again, we've proven we are more than just a rugby town. Bosh.